When I started my business a thousand years ago, we worked with an organization in an industry we didn't believe in and with a day-to-day contact who, with one blow of the wind, could wind up in the same category as Enron and Bernie Madoff. But their CEO was a friend of mine from my agency days, and he assured me that his job was to turn things around there, and he needed my help to do that. I was still young, both in age and owning a business, so I accepted the work. Hindsight, of course, is twenty twenty, but it was a good learning experience in how to stand up for my ethics. One of the tamest things this guy did was ask me to have a former journalist who was on my team pretend like he was still a journalist and call a governor's office to get them to admit what they were thinking when it came to this client's business. I refused, of course, and to this day, we all shake our heads when we talk about it. The other thing he did, which we were never able to get him to stop doing in the few months we worked with him, was pretend he was someone else when dealing with vendors or customers he didn't like. He had an email set up and quote unquote, Scott was the bad guy. And he was bad. He was mean. He was vicious. He was bad. If you received an email from that, from Scott, from that account, you knew it was not going to be good. And heaven forbid, if you were a vendor whose invoice was past due and you dared to send an email asking for payment. Whoa, Nelly. Whew, bad. On today's episode of the Spin Sucks podcast, we're going to talk about the ethics behind fake personas in your business and what to do if confronted with this behavior. If you're a communications pro who works hard, doesn't compromise quality, and gets the job done, welcome home. We'll share our tips, tricks, and stories, and together we will change the face of PR. Spin sucks, but we don't. With the Spin Sucks podcast, here's Jenny Dietrich. Welcome back to the Spinzlex Podcast. I'm Jenny Dietrich. A few years ago, a book by the name of Trust Me, I'm Lying was published. The point of it was to show how easy it is to manipulate the media, particularly when using tools such as Harrow. The book's author, Ryan Holiday, spent a couple of years responding to every Harrow request he could, but as different people. If a reporter were looking for a vinyl album expert, he would respond as a fake person and provide his insight. And it wasn't just niche reporters he responded to. There were journalists at big-time media outlets who were placed on leave or outright fired because he manipulated them. He said it was to shine a light on how broken the journalism industry was and to show how blogs were affecting how news is broken. But I personally don't believe he had altruistic intentions when writing the book. There's actually a line in the book's description that says, Holiday wrote this book to explain how media manipulators work, how to spot their fingerprints, how to fight them, and how to emulate their tactics. <clears throat> and because he received a $500,000 advance to write the book, many journalists later called it a massive publicity stunt. Stuff like this always floors me. I like to say I'm a naive kid from Utah because I'm always shocked, shocked when I learned about this kind of behavior. I shouldn't be, especially because I'm no longer naive or a kid, and I've lived outside of Utah longer than I lived there, yet I'm always shocked. Just like I was when I saw a friend's Facebook post a week or so ago that said, so wait, the PR spokesperson for Blade Air Mobility is fake? Blade Air Mobility is billed as an Uber for helicopters, and it went public earlier this year at a valuation of more than $800 million. Not too shabby. Their director of communications, Simon McLaren, quote-unquote, left in January after serving in his role for three years. He was interviewed on the record by reporters at outlets such as Vanity Fair, the New York Times, the Washington Post, 
and CNN. The only problem, he doesn't exist. When working to verify his identity, Business Insider, and I'll link to the article in the show notes because you have to read how they actually got to the bottom of this story, but they were working to verify his identity and they instead discovered that McLaren was, yes, a made-up persona created by Blade CEO Rob Weisenthal and his colleagues. Weisenthal even masqueraded as McLaren in phone interviews. Sound like a certain former president of ours? Hmm, interesting. While McLaren has no substantial online presence outside of a Blade email address, there was a Twitter account created for him in December and a Medium profile in November. His most recent official news release was distributed in November, and he wrote short blog posts called Simon McLaren's Curious Content. That's actually a really nice name, Simon McLaren's Curious Content, which began sending to subscribers in October. Weisenthal later admitted that McLaren's career as a blogger and newsletter writer was a secondary project that evolved out of the pandemic, in part to keep the Blade marketing and creative teams busy. Oh boy. He told Business Insider, during the dark days of COVID, I think it really kept people going. We had weeks where nothing was flying during the lockdown, but people wanted to engage and get people to work and communicate with our flyers. But we weren't going to say, fly to the airport. So we wrote interesting things about what life was like in the city. McLaren left Blade in January in a blaze of glory. The company sent an email to McLaren's subscribers that said McLaren would be leaving the company and taking the newsletter with him, in part because he could no longer abide by Blade's attempts to edit his views. Oh, there's so much there to unpack. So much there to unpack. And in just a minute, I'll be back to discuss what this means for those of us who do communications for a living and where it leaves journalism. I'll be right back. There are two things I want you to know about. The first is the Fundamentals of Media Measurement course that we just launched with Muckrack, and the second is the PESO Model Certification. Both will help you evolve your career this year as you learn how to measure your work using the PESO Model to get you there. The Fundamentals of Media Measurement course can teach you how to measure your earned media efforts, create a successful measurement strategy, and report on your success. It will take you about two hours, but it has quick bite-sized lessons you can take when convenient. It has actionable tips, step-by-step approaches, and examples from Jonna Burke, Christopher Penn, and me. Go to mrac.co slash spinsucks to learn more, get registered, and start your measurement journey today. That's mrac.co slash spinsucks. Please be sure to use that link because I get a gold star every time someone registers, and I love gold stars. And for those of you who need to evolve your career, learn how to integrate the work you do with marketing and amp up your measurement efforts, the PESO model certification is for you. Step up your game with an academically accredited PESO model certification from Spin Sucks and the SI Newhouse School of Public Communications at Syracuse University. Learn more about that by going to spinsucks.com academy, or you can go to spinsucks.com and click on academy in the navigation. And now, back to the show. Let's start with this. What Blade did was unethical. I know Weisenthal has come clean and admitted he and his team created a fake persona because they were time-strapped, which really does not make sense to me because having a fake person around doesn't give you more time and creating a secondary project for this person does not give you more time. So this doesn't make sense to me, but that was his reasoning. He told Insider, 
I'm the only person who would speak to the press unless by email directed by me. We just did not have a spokesperson and people had to wear many hats. There was no intention of being duplicitous. A lot of people wanted a name for a spokesman and it was just not appropriate for a CEO to speak, he added. And a lot of people didn't have training on how to speak with the press. There are a lot of small companies that have done this and continue to do this, but at a certain point you outgrow it and we outgrew it. Again, so much here to unpack. I still have not figured out why he wouldn't just speak to journalists as the CEO of the company. I don't understand why he didn't think it was appropriate for a CEO to speak. That does not make any sense. But I guess for some reason, he thought it would give them more credibility. And earlier this year, they did hire outside communications counsel to help them, well, navigate this mess they created. Regardless, it doesn't take a communicator to know that this is unethical. Just like our client who used Scott to send nasty emails or Ryan Holiday pretending to be different experts when speaking to journalists, this is a flagrant misrepresentation that unnecessarily damages the credibility of both the organization and its leadership. As I described in an article in SpinSucks last week, the Public Relations Society of America has a number, a number of operating principles and ethics from which we all abide. Even though Weisenthal is not a communicator by trade, he violated fundamental principles toward honesty, integrity, and the disclosure and free flow of information. This is not a communicator's ethic code. This is a human being's ethics code. We wouldn't, of course, ask that business leaders abide by our same code of ethics from a, an industry perspective. But I can venture to guess most know the difference between right and wrong, and most know what honesty and integrity mean. They can certainly recognize that damage to essential credibility and trust can destroy any organization. The new firm working with Blade definitely has their work cut out for them. It's troubling that Weisenthal thinks that a lot of small companies practice this kind of deception until they grow big enough to be able to afford external counsel. But PR counsel isn't a big company's benefit, nor is doing the right thing. The former client I mentioned earlier, I put on my big girl pants and told them I wasn't work comfortable working with a company that was deceptive in how they dealt with their customers and vendors. And we parted ways. It wasn't easy. It was a big revenue loss, but it was the right thing to do. And as my mom always says, Remember who you are and what you stand for. If you're having trouble with an executive or client who's walking the line of ethics, the SpinSucks community is at your disposal. You can find us at spinsucks.com slash spin hyphen sucks hyphen community. That's spinsucks.com slash spin hyphen sucks hyphen community. It's free. It's fun. It's challenging. It's educational. And you can brainstorm all sorts of things with a team of experienced professionals. And with that, I will see you next week. If you're ready to change the face of PR, make sure you subscribe to the Spin Sucks podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating and a review. 